I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to a new episode of Land Grant Holy Land's recruiting-centric podcast, The Dotted Line. My name is Matt Tiamanini. On this podcast, we talk to Ohio State and national recruiting experts, LGHL's own recruiting analysts, and even recruits themselves. On today's episode, I am joined by Land Grant Holy Land recruiting columnist and our resident football coach, Caleb Hauser. How are you, man? I'm doing pretty well. This has uh, been a little while since I've been on the pod with LGHL, but you know we're uh, I'm, I'm excited to do it. It's been it's been a little bit, but it'll be good to be back on with you guys. Well, with a year off of like in person recruiting, it's hard to get the recruiting conversation going. But after this past month, we have so much to talk about. Now we have officially wrapped up. Even though there's a few days left in June, we've, we've wrapped up the, the recruiting heavy month because starting today, as this episode comes out, Monday, June 28th, another NCAA mandated dead period is in effect. This one right. will run through July 24th. And then there's like a week of a quiet period before August 1st. And obviously around August, that's around August 1st. That's when fall camp starts and we get into full season modes. So we are not that far away. Uh, so, Caleb, I wanted to, to have you on so that we could talk about what we've seen. You, nobody at, at Land Grant writes more about recruiting than you do. So I want to talk to you about what you, we've seen this month, what might be expected over this next month, where Ohio State stands with the 2022 class and a bunch of other stuff. But we have to start with the biggest Ohio State recruiting story that is out there right now. And that is that I'm, I guess in the next few days, um, we're going to be getting some sort of commitment announcement from JT to a Malowow. He canceled his uh, visit to Alabama this past weekend, meaning that he would choose from the four schools that he already visited, his home state, Washington, USC, Oregon, and Ohio State, with the general consensus being that the latter two, Ohio State and Oregon, are the ones in serious contention. So, Caleb, how are you feeling? What have you heard? What have you seen in terms of how things are going for JTT, who doesn't share a whole lot, but when he does... Uh, he tends to be pretty open and honest. So what are you feeling and hearing about Ohio State's chances with him? Yeah, JT obviously has been kind of the one that's, you know, it's like a never-ending saga with this kid. And he really only talks to Brandon Huffman. Uh, and I think everybody's pretty much hit on that. So, you know, you don't want to beat a dead horse. But, I mean, he only talks to one person. And Brandon Huffman is, you know, the, the Pacific Northwest writer for 247 Sports and is completely dialed in. Uh, so any news that comes out, from JT, you really kind of have to take it with a grain of salt unless it's from Brandon himself. Um, and honestly, the only time that people are talking to JT is through Brandon. So any news that breaks, you're going to want to have your Twitter notifications or whatever linked up and synced up with Brandon's page. That way you, yeah, yeah exactly. Got you you, you <laughs> got to know what's going on with JT and it's, it is definitely coming through Brandon. So uh, in my personal opinion, I feel like this is a really, really good thing for Ohio State. That Alabama cancellation was was huge. I mean, when I saw that, once again, for Brandon, it was like kind of a no-brainer that, all right, uh, 
you know, USC and Washington are definitely in the four, um, you know, Washington being his home state school. He's been there so many times. It's, you know, he knows what he's getting out of Washington. The only school of the five, even, even Alabama, he had already seen. Uh, so, I mean, the only school of the five visits that he was going to take were to the final five schools and Ohio state was the only one that didn't have a visit yet. So for Ohio state to have crystal balls in from Brandon, even though the, even though the confidence meter is very low to yeah. have Ohio state as the pick for Brandon, that tells me that this is an Ohio state Oregon battle more than anything. I don't think USC's in this as much as Washington's is, is also in this. So I think it's really down to Ohio state and Oregon. And, you know, I think a lot of the closest insiders would agree with that. I think a lot of guys, you know, like Berm with Letterman Row have even said that, you know, don't count out Oregon, but the cautious optimism leaving that visit of Ohio State, his third official, which actually became his third and, you know, second to last one with the Alabama cancellation, it looked really good uh, for, for Ohio State to land him. And obviously, you know, having the whole staff show up in the airport you know, wearing their, wearing their Hawaiian shirts was, you know, kind of is different for a Ryan day led staff, but uh, you know, it just shows how important this guy is, especially with how thin the defensive line is going to get, mm-hmm. you know, after this year with several guys that, you know, very well can be leaving. But to answer your question, I do think the Alabama cancellation is the, the most telling sign. I just, I really think this is leading towards, a commitment for Ohio state in regards to JT. And I think you just need to keep it, you know, once again, totally tuned in with uh, Brandon Huffman. I think Ohio state will probably get, you know, some good news here uh, within the next week, I would say two weeks at the most, but I think this will be wrapping up within the next, you know, seven to 14 days for sure. That's kind of where, you know, most people have been leading. So I think that's going to be the case, but if not Ohio state, I would think the, I would think the, uh, the likely pick would be Oregon, but I, I think the Buckeyes are going to win this one. I really do. Yeah. And one of the things that might be playing into the speed of his decision is starting on July 6th, which even though that seems like we're still in March, like that's only a week and a half away. Right. That yep. That's when the next four-week summer session of classes starts. So if he wants to get on campus and be a part of all of the uh, Coach Marathi workouts in July, he has to be a student. So right. he would have to enroll in time and be on campus by July 6th, um, which is the Tuesday after the 4th of July and the first day. So he doesn't have a ton of time. But Caleb, you're around um, high school football players all the time. You are a, a high school football and baseball coach. You probably are tapped into the mentality of these guys more than than anybody else Um that writes for us and maybe anybody else in the entire Ohio state blogosphere. Um, and obviously guys at JT's level, the number one guy in some recruiting boards, number three overall in the 24 seven composite. Like he seems to be doing things differently though, than, um, than a lot of these other guys who like to have a little bit of attention. He doesn't seem to like that at all. But one of the arguments that you're hearing a lot from the Oregon side of the conversation is yeah, but look at all with with name, image, and likeness rights coming. Look at all the money that um, Nike can throw at him. If he's in Oregon, Nike's going to be giving him all this money. It sets him up for the future. And obviously, Ohio State will probably have the ability to do some sort of NIL thing fairly soon. But it is a bit of a mess in Ohio right now in terms of getting these things um, passed. But to me, that doesn't seem to be of the little bit we know about JT much of a deciding factor as from your read of knowing high school football players and watching JT from afar, what do you think the decision is going to come down to? Is it going to be NIL opportunities? Is it going to be 
fit? Is it going to be scheme? What is it that's going to lead him to where he finally ends up deciding to go? I think the biggest thing for a lot of these kids, I mean, and I, and I won't lie to you. I mean, I've coached kids that are extremely talented, but I mean, you're talking JT is one of the top players yeah. in the entire country. And, you know, by two, four, seven is the top defensive end and top player in the country for them. So, I mean, and that's out of, I mean, hundreds of thousands, thousands of high school yeah. players, which is, you know, just incredible, you know, and you know, there's, there's several things you could get into, you know, with the NAIL, I, I just, in my opinion, with JT being as close to the best as he is, I don't think it's the NIL as much as it is the true relationship and development that Larry Johnson can provide. I think the reason why Ohio State will win out in the end is the fact that they've got Larry Johnson, who I don't even think it's arguably anymore. I think that dude is cemented as yeah. the current best defensive line coach in the country. And I'm sure it's close with other guys, but his proven track record is incredible. You, I mean, obviously you look at Sam Hubbard, the Bosa brothers, Chase Young. I mean, the list goes on and on. I mean, every time, you know, top football Twitter accounts, like, you know, anything that are grading people or showing awards. I mean, these rookie of the year, defensive player of the year, they're Ohio state defensive ends. And I think that obviously, you know, speaks just levels to JT. So I think the family atmosphere that Ohio state provides I mean, Ryan day has harped on that tons and tons is that, you know, everything they do there is a family atmosphere. I think that is going to win out. I think the overall development that he can get from Larry Johnson will win out. And I think the NIL comes as a, you know, a third place candidate to those two top reasons why. And, and the reason why I say that is again, I don't know JT personally. I don't think many people do besides Brandon Huffman and his family yeah. <laughs> and those close around him and the staffs recruiting him. But I just think that when you look at all that's gone on, especially the last year of recruiting JT, everything is so kept close to the vest that it looks to me like if this kid is developed by Larry Johnson and as good as his rating is, which it very well probably is and very well how he will play, that money's not going to matter because he's going to get it when he signs yeah you know, his, his big league contract with the NFL. So I think the NIL comes in third place. And I think the family atmosphere and Larry Johnson are, you know, are one, one a and one B if you will, of yeah. why I think Ohio state will win out in the end. I mean, sure. Yeah. Oregon's got Nike, but I mean, Ohio state's with Nike is, is, is no slouch yeah. itself. And Columbus is a huge market as we know. So. Yeah. I think everything lines up to be exactly what somebody like him would want. I mean, it, it doesn't go, it doesn't take that much to look at Joey and Nick and Chase, and I don't have to even say their last names. If you right. come in and you say JT and, and putting him on that list, that makes sense. And God, what, how great is, would it be? And maybe you can talk about this from a coaching standpoint. I know you coach the other side of the ball, but how great is it for a defensive end to come in as a freshman and say, oh, wait, I'm the number three composite player in the country on one side. I have the number four composite player in the country on the yeah. other side of the defensive right. line in Jack Sawyer, having two top four players in the country playing next to her. I mean, bookending a defensive line for three years, you know, hypothetically, considering they probably both will have the opportunity to leave um, after their junior seasons. Like, how big is that for one, these players to have somebody else that an offensive line is going to have to take uh, into consideration. And two, how big is that for a defense in general to have two guys who can get after the ball uh, or can get after the quarterback? And that certainly helps the back end of the defense, which is where Ohio State had most of its problems in the 2020 season. Sure. I, I, as a coaching standpoint, you look at it on the offensive side of the ball and you're like, 
well, good Lord, you know, I mean, everybody knows, it, you know, at least the good coaches that I've been around will always, you know, kind of have the backbone that the, the war is one in the trenches on the offense and defensive line. I mean, when Ohio state was playing Florida back in 2006, you just saw the team speed was a huge difference, but re realistically, the reason why Ohio state has won national championships in 2014 and have been so dominant is of course they have incredible speed. Of course they have incredible skill. I mean, that always is going to help and, you know, set the bar high, but the battle is always going to be one of the trenches as far as I'm concerned. So if, you know, from an offensive standpoint, you know, coaching receivers, I don't have to worry about it as much, but I have to tell guys like that, if I'm coaching on that side of the ball, well, dude, you're going to have to get open a little bit faster because yeah. on the left end or the right end, it doesn't matter. Our tackles are going to be getting all they can handle. And then some you're going to have to get open quick. Cause that ball, I mean, you don't have time to have three-step drops with that kind of a guy coming off the edge. You're going to have to get quick plays. I mean, you know, slants, hitches, screens, that kind of stuff. The ball's got to be out quick and just, you know, I think if you look at like the 20, the 2019 defense, when they had Chase Young, that was just absolutely a terror off the end that made the secondary better because they don't have to cover as long. You know what I mean? So it's just it, everything kind of goes in waves. If the first wave is good, the second wave is going to be great. The third wave will be even be better. And that, you know, that's the defensive line, the linebacker play. And then, of course, the secondary. So, I mean, it's kind of a pick your poison. It's like, well, who do you run at? Who do you double team? Who do you block? Like, that's the kind of thing from a run game standpoint that you're just like, you've got two incredible ends that are coming off each end of the ball on either side. It's, you know, pick your poison type of thing. And we, you know, it's kind of funny. We were talking about this the other day. We were, you never really cheated as an Ohio state fan just because of, you know, how consistently good they are, but you know, we never got to watch chase young and Nick Bosa flourish together, you know, after Nick Bosa got hurt in that 2018 TCU game. However, if you get JT and you have him paired with Jack Sawyer, that is as close to that kind of a combination as you're going to get again. I mean, and shoot, like who's to say it can't be just as good, if not better. I mean, these two kids yeah. paired together would be absolutely unreal. And to have them, you know, each, you know, three years and, you know, probably playing at least two years together, if not three, that would be, that'd be pretty fun to watch. So again, you know, that's a, that's an offensive line coach's nightmare. The tackles, obviously, it's a nightmare. And then, you know, that bodes into the interior line as well. You know, well, now I've got to worry about the three techs that are inside. <laughs> and now I've got the, the rushing linebackers. It's you pair those two guys on the end. It's it's, you know, problems galore for for any offensive line. I don't care how talented they are. Yeah. And that kind of brings us uh, into a good transition into who was on campus this past weekend. Ohio State had a number of big players, but it really focused on primarily four highly rated defensive linemen. You had um, five-star defensive lineman Gabriel Brownlow-Dindy. You had um, four-star uh, edge rusher, although a lot of these high school uh, position classifications are, are flexible. Um, four-star Anae White. Then you had a um, another four-star edge rusher, Kenyatta Jackson. And then you had a uh, another four-star defensive lineman, Chris McClellan. All four of these guys are in the top 160. As I said, some of them are um, one of them's a five star, one of them's a top you know 40 player, one of them a top 75 player, one's a top 160 player, um, and it seems like they all had pretty good visits. What's interesting about this is, is though I think of those four, maybe only one or two really has uh, been considered an Ohio State lean or someone who is favored to go to Ohio State for a while. So, what about these four guys over this past few days that they were on campus sticks out to you? 
Yeah, I think the two that I would hit on the most are Eni White and Chris McClellan. I think those are the two guys, in my opinion, that Ohio State would have maybe not, you know, the lean for, but at least have the most solid shot for it. And, yeah. you know, it's it's difficult because, you know, last week and you have Caden Curry from Indiana that's that's on campus, and, you know, in several. I mean, the, the list goes on. I mean, what I see a tweet today by, um, you know, Mark Pantone and his staffers that said they had 172 unofficials in one month. I mean, that's, I mean, that's unbelievable. I mean, I I can't even imagine hosting 172 kids on official visits, but you know, that's, that's not my job. That's theirs. And they're knocking it out of the park, but you just, you look at the numbers of people that they're actually hosting right now. And it's, it's impressive to say the least, but Eni white is a guy that, you know, all over Twitter, you know, showing his visit posts and, you know, just doing a really bang up job about, you know, kind of showing off the Ohio State love. So that that's a big one. And then you have Chris McClellan that, you know, Bill Kerlick of 24-7 Sports with Bucknuts. He was quoting Chris saying, you know, this program is on another level right now. So, you know, just those kind of quotes. And you've seen that time and time again all month, really, from a lot of these top tier guys that Ohio State is not having to battle you know, the Michigans of the world anymore. Like it is truly a battle for the best players in the country with the best programs, such as, you know, Alabama and Clemson. And many times Ohio State's, you know, winning those battles just as much as, you know, they're, they're fighting for, you know, top guys like Bama and Clemson are. So they're in a great spot. I mean, that's obviously that's news to no one. We're preaching to the choir here, but I think of the two guys this weekend that are probably the higher ranked guys that you would really want to see in the class that they have a chance with, I think that'd be Eni White and Chris McClellan. And what's interesting is, is that whether it's McClellan or uh, Gabriel Brownlow Dindy, like all of a sudden, I, and I don't know if it's the change in coaching on the defensive side of the ball that they've had recently, but like Oklahoma is now starting to get into the mix for some like legit defensive players right. after a decade of seeing the Sooners basically decide not to play defense whatsoever um and obviously when it comes to chris mcclellan he is from oklahoma so that makes sense he's an in-state guy Um, but what is it about some of these programs not alabama not clemson not georgia um obviously perennial powers and blue bloods like oklahoma and we talked about notre dame before we started recording like where are they coming from and why are they kind of all of a sudden kind of to jump to the forefront of some of these 2022 guys who are also looking at some schools like Ohio State where, um, to be frank, Oklahoma and Notre Dame really haven't been uh, in the same realm as Bama, Ohio State, Clemson, and Georgia for the last few years. Right. Yeah, I think I think really the, the college football playoff is what sets things apart. And you look at you look at 10 years ago and, you know, anytime we can take a jab at, you know, the, the team up north, we do. But, uh, you know, 10 years ago, the guys that Ohio State are fighting for are the guys that Michigan is also fighting for. And, yes, Ohio State was still winning majority of those battles, but you always had to worry about, you know, your rival to the north. Nowadays, and if it's a player in the Midwest, it's almost assumed that Ohio State's grabbing them. And it's, it's pretty, you know, it's pretty fortunate for Ohio state that Ohio is tending to be kind of the, the biggest state, you know, in the Midwest for football. Now, obviously mm-hmm. we all know that the best talent in the country comes from, you know, the Southeast Texas and California. I mean, that's, it, it proves itself every year that Georgia, Florida, yeah. Texas, California are the best states in the country, uh, you know, but Ohio's no slouch when it comes to Midwest players, Ohio state's not having to fight these battles anymore you know, against Michigan, they're having to do it against Notre Dame now, which like you said, before we're recording, we're talking about a little bit of a shift in gears there, but I think getting back to, you know, the Oklahoma's of the world, the Notre Dame's of the world, 
the college football playoff, both of those programs have been in the college football playoff at least twice, you know, and it hasn't been extremely successful for each of them. No. However, when you are submitting yourself as one of the, you know, three, four, five best teams in the country year in and year out that are having these college football playoff appearances, that speaks well to these kids that bodes well to these kids. And you're starting to see where these battles are really coming down to, you know, almost a single digit number of schools, I mean, Ohio state, Clemson, Alabama, Oklahoma. And then the fifth school, a lot of times is, you know, anywhere from LSU, Notre Dame, you know, and a, and a host of others, obviously being Georgia at one of them too. But I mean, there's 10 programs in the country right now that have really set themselves apart. And then within those 10 programs, I think there's two tiers and, you know, we're fortunate yeah. as Ohio state fans that they're in the top tier right now. And, but yeah, I mean, you look at Oklahoma right now and you see what they have on offense coming back with Rattler, you know, obviously not the most experienced quarterback in the world, but he's got a year under his belt and that bodes well. I mean, another kid that was a high profile recruit and Lincoln Riley, you know, of course has, you know, been debated back and forth with Ryan day is who's the best quarterback whisperer in the country is, you know, a college coach. So they're always going to be there. Um, but it's interesting, you know, to kind of watch and see, you know, the, the ebbs and flows of the recruiting game and, and how it has really only become, you know, a certain number of programs. Yeah, and it's interesting, especially on the defensive side of the ball for Oklahoma, where Ohio State former former defensive coordinator Alex, Grinch, Alex yeah. Grinch is there. This is his third <laughs> sure. year. He only lasted one year at Ohio State, and I think that had a lot to do with Ryan Day taking over um, sure. after 2018. But, like, he's really done a pretty good job of turning the Oklahoma defense around. They've still got a long ways to go. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if they do fight Ohio State moving forward for some of these guys, especially on the defensive side. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So, okay. So we said we're wrapping up the, the, the non-dead period, I guess, of June. We're into a dead period. But that does not mean that stuff is not going to happen during the month of July. They got to... Um, commitments during the month of June. They had um, wide receiver uh, Caleb Brown, four-star wide receiver Caleb Brown. Then they had four-star running back Dallin Hayden. Um, we expect some booms. We said earlier we expect a JT to a Malowal boom. Presumably at some point we're going to get official word that Pallier Note Note is officially part of Ohio State's team after transferring from USC. We know he's going to be a student. We know he's on campus, but we haven't got that official word yet. From your mind, looking forward to the month of July, before we start having actual preseason camp stuff to talk about, what are going to be the booms that you think are most likely to happen over the next four weeks uh, that Ohio State fans should keep an eye on and uh, and look forward to? Yeah, I, I really think, and I think a lot of insiders have kind of hit on this, that a lot of people were probably expecting because it's the first time in over a year that these kids can get on campus that, you know, you'd be seeing these booms all over the place. And yes, Ohio state yeah. has had their, their fair, you know, few this year, uh, you know, this June with their 22 class and, you know, and whatnot. But I really do think that what people regret to understood, you know, at the beginning of this is, 
Well, because they haven't visited anywhere in a year, they're trying to fill the month of June with as many visits as they possibly can. I mean, I, I'm coaching a kid right now that he actually has taken seven visits to different schools within wow. the month of June already. And I mean, he's a, you know, division two, you know, division one, double a, you know, player. I mean, and that's, that's not even division, you know, the high, you know, F, FBS level. So, I mean, these kids are taking every opportunity they can to get on college campuses and be seen because of the amount of time that they weren't given, you know, due to the pandemic. So I do think July will be the month where we start to really see those booms. I am interested to see in the 22 class, the next linebacker commit. And that very well could be with the new, I can't say his last name for the life of me, but he's the Utah player. His first name is Carson. He was just offered by Ohio state, obviously this past week. So, and I mean, he came and the cool thing was I didn't, I didn't know this ahead of time, but he is actually um, friends with Tony Alford's relative and Uh. they came together. And so there was a little bit of a connection there and it's, it amazes me how deep Ohio state staff's roots are and how many connections they have. I mean, you look at Donovan Jackson, that kid's from Texas. Who would have thought that, you know, he had Columbus roots, Garrett Wilson, who would have known he was, you know, born and raised in Columbus, even though he lived in Austin, Texas. So they always find, you know, these connections, which helps them in the long run. But I'm interested to see the the 2022 linebacker situation, you know, since the decommitment of Desan McCullough, which obviously, you know, going to play for his father at Indiana, it it totally makes sense, especially with both of his brothers, you know, going to be there as well too. So yeah, yeah, you know, wish him nothing but the best there, but I'm interested to see that it it very well could be the Carson kid. I mean, you're not going to come to Ohio state from Utah if you're not serious about earning an offer. So that's one. I'm also really interested in seeing, you know, believe it or not, the wide receiver position. I mean, it's been said, you know, time and time again, you know, how in the world can they continue to take this many players? But you know, if, Olave's gone. If Garrett Wilson's gone, we've already seen the attrition through a couple of, you know, roster transfers and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So the number looks to be at least three and as many as maybe four, I would be not shocked at four. I kind of think I would be a little bit surprised if, you know, they took a fourth at times, but it does look like they really do want a fourth in this class. Now that they've got Kion Gray's you know, and they've got Caleb Brown and of course they've got Caleb Burton, but the fourth one looks to me like it could be wrapped up uh, within, you know, the next month or two. If Kojo Antwi decides to be the fourth, that would, I mean, that would just be incredible. I mean, another epic haul by, you know, coach Brian Hartline at that position. Kojo Antwi is the receiver from Georgia, obviously down to, you know, Texas A&M, Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio state. Um, but if, if he's the fourth, that would be another epic haul. And then of course, um, there's another another uh, receiver prospect. I'm drawing a blank at his name, but he's actually Quinn Ewer's teammate down at Southlake yeah, yeah. Carroll. So, um, and maybe maybe if Kojo Antwi doesn't become the fourth, maybe you know they go in and they and they give uh, him a look again, and, and they off, actually offer him. So, which I wouldn't be extremely surprised of either. But I'm kind of looking right now at those three positions, and then not a commitment, but I really want to see where Ohio state goes with Jaheim Singletary. There's been so much talk lately of him being, you know, a potential worry, you know, is he going to decommit, you know, after the Georgia and Miami visits. So um, just had his official visit, you know, this past week and looked to have a great time. Uh, You know, Kerry Coombs is going to be fighting for that one um, and not, you know, not going to let that, you know, just be taken from him overnight. So that'll be a fight till the end. But yeah, I think for me on the defensive side of the ball, I want to, I want to see, 
you know, who can be that, that third linebacker in the class, you know, can they hold on to Jaheim? Can they, you know, get rid of any of the drama that's there or any of the rumors. And then, you know, also on the offensive side of the ball, you know, when's the offensive line going to start happening? You know, that's kind of, and I don't have a prospect in mind, but you know, with only one guy committed and they want to have at least four, I would think you're going to have to start getting the ball rolling somehow. So, yeah. you know, Tegra Tushabola can't be the only guy that's in the fold there. So I'd be interested to see, you know, when the ball starts rolling for the offensive lineman, of course. But yeah, those are kind of some of the positions I I'm thinking of. But, you know, the good thing is, is you've got a lot of the really, really like important positions, obviously quarterback. What what better situation could you be in to have one of the highest ranked players ever? And then, you know, obviously the highest ranked player in the class with Quinn Ewers being your quarterback. And, you know, he's starting to be a little bit more vocal with his class. So, I mean, they're they're obviously in a great spot when you consider they're the number one ranked class in the country and their overall average ranking is a 94. So, I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. (laughs) No. And it's interesting because when you look at that, those recruiting rankings for Ohio State in the 2022 class, and then you look at the first guy you mentioned, I'll try his last name, uh, Carson Tabarachi. He yes. he yep. is only rated um, as a three star and eighty seven and five hundred forty eighth in the country. He is listed as an athlete, and then you kind of wonder, wow, what did they see in him? And then he posted his camp results, and the dude is two hundred sixteen pounds. Run he a ra- four six. <laughs> yeah, he ran an <laughs> under four six four point five seven, and like so, dude is fast. He had a nine seven broad jump, so he's obviously incredibly athletic. And we know that a lot of these player ratings, especially before the summer starts, because these up these ratings haven't been updated since they started going to camps and stuff like a lot of them are crapshoots. It depends on where you've been, who you've been seen by um, all of that stuff. So who knows? He could very well sure. shoot up the recruiting rankings. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's it's interesting when Ohio State has 14 players already committed in the 2022 class you mentioned Jaheim Singletary who was on campus this past weekend kind of deciding not opening up his recruitment but deciding to take his other visits which he has every right to do um so even if he were to decommit and he would obviously hurt because he's the number 13 player in the country leaving but you've still got a great class with 13 you you're more than halfway there in terms of your recruiting um and it'll be interesting to see what happens but it uh uh really exciting and hopefully we'll get some booms here in the next few weeks and uh uh, we can have a little bit better idea as to what the Ohio State recruiting class will look like, presumably when a bunch of them come in in December and then when it becomes official in February. So, okay, yep. any last thoughts about Ohio State recruiting right now? Any things that you're going to be looking forward to beyond what we've discussed? Anything else before we uh, wrap it up today? I am a little interested in, you know, once again, being a receivers coach myself, that's kind of the spot that. I really like to watch and just to see how talented these kids are. That's, I mean, it's incredible. I've coached some great receivers, but then you, but then you consider what Brian Hartline is doing. He's bringing in the number one receiver in the class seemingly every year. I mean, it's actually insane. It's almost, it's almost too good to be true at times, but he's doing it and they're performing on the field. They're developing them, developing them at, you know, at a high level. And, you know, they're doing it with a guy that not only can, you know, talk the talk, but obviously he walked the walk too Mm -hmm. as an NFL player. But I think the cool thing about the 22 class is knowing they've already got three in the fold that are dynamite players. They look like they want to add a fourth, obviously, with how they're still going about the recruiting business. But in the 2023 class, you got guys like Carnell Tate that, you know, have already been to Ohio State twice. 
He's, you know, going back to Notre Dame. So this one really looks to be like an Ohio State Notre Dame battle. And again, we talked about this before we started recording, you know, how much Notre Dame is, you know, right there with Ohio State for a lot of these kids. Um, and I think that, you know, also says what kind of kid Ohio State is recruiting. And, you know, just a high academic nature yeah. kid that, you know, is you know, great at more than just one thing. But I think Carnell Tate is a guy to look at. Um, a lot of people have mentioned Brandon Innes, the top overall receiver in the class. He was just at Ohio State. I really, really wanted to put on this for the podcast is to show Brandon Ennis and, you know, the tweet that he put up with Coach Keenan Bailey. And Keenan Bailey yeah. was at one time the assistant receivers coach. Um, great dude. Met him before. Just a fantastic, young, energetic coach um, that I've talked to several times. And him being from Broward County, I mean, w- talk about just the perfect situation. Once again, Ohio State with their connections. I mean, Keenan is from that area, can go down there, you know, recruit, recruit those guys, you know, just like it's nobody's business and he gets to do it with Brian Hartline. So even though he's now, you know, a quarterback's coach and assistant quarterback's coach there, he still is with, you know, the passing game as a whole recruiting these receivers too. So I think, you know, kind of getting in there with the whole Broward County connection also help helps him out. And then obviously coach Hartline playing for the Miami dolphins for as long as he did, that helps too. So, um, you know, in the 2023 class, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I think it goes, you know, for a while. I don't think Brandon Ennis is close to, you know, making a decision anytime soon, but I really do think Ohio state will be a player for that going forward with how much the, you know, how much they can do for him. And, you know, obviously I don't think Hartline wants to end his streak. Not that they look solely at rankings, (laughs) but, you know, having that many guys in a row with Julian Fleming, Garrett, you know, Garrett Wilson, obviously, you know, before Julian, but Julian and then Caleb Burton and then Mecca. And if you could get Brandon, I mean, what is that four in a row of the top ranked receiver in the class coming to Ohio state. So just absolutely incredible. But I think, you know, the, the two guys to look out there are, are Brandon Ennis, obviously, as I, as I mentioned, and then Carnell Tate, and then, you know, we'll see what, what happens from there. You know, they can go and go after uh, Zion Branch's little brother from Bishop Gorman in Las Vegas is another receiver, you know, that kind of stuff. So it'll be interesting to see how many they take in, in this class and then, you know, how that kind of you know goes to the next year as well, you know, in 2023 and how many they're allowed to take in that class. Yeah. To wrap it up, one guy I'm keeping an eye on is another one of those guys who seems to be kind of pulled between Ohio State and Notre Dame, and that is uh, Sonny Styles. His dad, Lorenzo Styles, played for Ohio State, but his older brother, Lorenzo Styles Jr., plays for Notre Dame. Um, I'll, I'll also, uh, full disclosure, very interested in him because he went to the same high school I did. I went to Pickerington. There you go. I went to Pickerington go before. The, yeah, be, yeah, exactly. Before they separated. Um, I'm very old. Um, there's now <laughs> now Pickerington Central, but we were still the Tigers. So yep. uh, always looking forward to that. And, State uh, champs. Yeah. And one, Jack Sawyer's from there. <laughs> and, yep. and, and of course, uh, NBA all-rookie team member, uh, Jay Sean Tate as well, but we won't puff our chest about that too often. But <laughs> you're allowed to puff your chest down yeah, a little uh, bit when you got yeah, that many when you yeah, got that yeah, many yeah. studs coming that. from one program. We <laughs> love that. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of Land Grant Holy Lands, the Dotted Line podcast. Also, Caleb, thank you so much for doing this. we got to do this more often. Absolutely. Uh, if you guys are finding this episode on LandGrantHolyLand.com, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We are cranking out episodes nearly every weekday, and they all have unique perspectives and voices that you won't hear anywhere else in the Buckeye podcasting universe. Also, don't forget to follow Land Grant Holy Land on Twitter at LandGrant33. You can find me at BWWMatt. Caleb, where can people find you? 
first and last name with the number nine. So at Caleb Hauser, C-A-L-E-B-H-O-U-S-E-R, and then the number nine at the end. So awesome. I got uh, Ohio State stuff on there all the time and would love to have people read and, you know, shout us out with comments and anything they anything they want to hear. Always looking for feedback and that kind of good stuff. Absolutely. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. And as always, go Bucks.